Hey, this is Felissa Rose. I'm Angela Baker in Sleepaway Camp, and you're listening to Midwest Monsters Podcast. Yeah! I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're gonna go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's... Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast, and now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to a new episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. Are we recording? Yeah, son. Right. We're always rolling hard. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my dudes. Matching! Professor Wagstaff. Coming at you, my friends. Glad to be with you again. And uh, coming with another installment of the Monster Mash. I am informed that this is the eighth installment of the Monster Mash, so volume eight. Um... Who wants to say what they picked? Let's let's start backwards here. Let's go, Professor. What was your pick? Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes and Mad Chan. Wolf Cop. Wolf Cop. And I chose the Baba Duke. Not the Baba Duke. Yeah, Baba. Dude, Baba that Duke. messed me up so much. Like for for a month straight, I was calling it the Baba Duke. Oh yeah. Who wasn't? Who was I was it? like, hey, let me get you, the Baba Duke. Yeah, until you saw it. You know? And then I was like, oh duck, duck, duck. I get it. Duck. Baba Duck. Spoiler. <laughs> Korean. It's the best movie ever. Spoiler alert. It's Korean. Uh, <laughs> we need to get that on a shirt. <laughs> that on the back of a shirt. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. It's a Korean film. <laughs> um. So who who wants to go first? Who wants to say? Well, I, okay, we're gonna go in order, and then we'll say why we chose the movie. Yep. All right. So Mad Chan, we're starting with. Let's start with the Baba Duck, Duck, Duck. Duck, Duck, Duck. All right. Because I feel like it's the heaviest of the three. Absolutely. And give us something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to give us a rundown? Yeah, sure. Um, so the Baba Duck came out in 2014. It is written and directed by Jennifer Kent. Okay. And it is starring Essie Davis and Noah Wiseman. Those are the two main characters. Those are the ones of notes. Okay. And that's basically it. Now, do you want to give us a little insight on why you picked this movie? Yeah. So this movie had a lot. I mean, it was coming to the table with a lot of stuff. It was coming to the table with uh, uh, William Friedkin. Friedkin's recommendation. Friedkin saying this is the scariest movie he'd ever seen. Uh, I think Stephen King also called it a terrifying movie. I mean, this came with some pretty high praise. Shout out to Todd. High praise. Um, (laughs) Fact. (laughs) So it came to the table with some pretty high praise, and so uh, I wanted to see it, and uh, 
my girlfriend came over and we watched it and we were just kind of blown away by it. So I wanted you guys to watch it so that we could discuss it in depth. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I already said my initial reaction, blown away, blown away. Um, I do want to say that one, if you just come into it, expecting it to just be a boom, scare you horror movie, you don't get that. It can. Some people have, some people watched it, didn't get the metaphor, didn't get the underlying tones and really were scared by it and thought it was a great scary movie. I didn't get that. If I wasn't paying attention for the deeper themes and don't get me wrong, folks, you've listened to this show for quite a while. I'm sure, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who just sits around trying to dig out the deeper themes of movies. I'm not that kind of guy. No, that's my job. But for me, this was really the gig and, um, loved it. Loved it. And, and we'll explore that more of why I loved it. And I'm sure maybe why some of you guys loved it. Um, Mad Chan. Oh, professor. Either one. Um, I, I think first and foremost, I was shocked at the depth. Yes. Because, and why I say that is, is that I don't have much belief in the general public. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mean to sound pretentious. It's just the common truth. If a movie is appealing to people that far across the board, I mean, everyone who is seeing this things from people who I was seeing on my own personal social media, all the way up to famous directors, as you guys mentioned, were all saying how excellent this movie was and how scary it was. And so I was very surprised of all the substance in it. And I and I'll just say this without going too far, because I know that's what we're getting ready to do. I love and I mentioned this in the car ride on the way up here. Um, is that I love that. If you want to get something out of it, you can, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Yeah, you can enjoy this movie and be as absolutely dense about it as you want. You can still have a good time with it. So I, that that was my main reaction. And there were definitely some very scary scenes and some well done stuff. But I love the substance to it. It was very symbolic. Yeah, Mad Jim. Um, I went into this movie wanting to see the scariest movie that I'd ever seen. And that's not what I got at all. I did have, uh, I do like this movie. There were a lot of things I enjoyed about it. Um, I was waiting for the horror in the beginning. Like I wasn't looking for any of the underlined. I wasn't paying attention to that. I wasn't even looking for it. It yeah. was, I kept waiting for the monster. You know, it was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so it didn't catch me until later. And right after my first viewing, I called you, Grizz. I called oh, yeah. Grizz. <laughs> like it's, while the credits were rolling, I called Grizz and I was just like, Hey man, um, scariest movie you ever saw? No, me neither. But what'd you think about this? And we had like a 45 minute conversation about the meaning of this movie. We won't do that now, but I mean, we had 45 minutes, a good 45 minutes about different themes and the way this movie went off. And it was surprising. And so those people that were like, oh, I saw it, and it was so horrifying. I didn't get that. Nope. But I neither. did get the struggles of this woman and everything that was going on with her. And I did get the metaphors. And I think my, my favorite one was the um, the book. Mm-hmm. Like when she rips the book up to pieces and gets rid of it and gets, you know, and, the, and then she goes to the door and the book's there. Yeah. I was just like, ooh, like, it's pretty awesome, man. So if I may, Go a spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, as Professor said, you can come into this movie, you know, wanting to see that scary movie and you can walk away with that. People have. Uh, spoiler for me. And I think for most of us sitting here, this movie is a film about grief and depression. Yep. Something that the three of us know about, you know, stuff that the three of us have dealt with in our lives. And this film 
is a masterpiece about the way that grief and depression works in your life. Yes. I'm just exactly. going to say, I, and, I, and I do not throw out the word masterpiece very often. And I'm willing to say that. Right on. It is a masterpiece in that respect. And if we, I mean, if you guys want to build on that before we go into the details of, of why it's that film, we can. But if you want to say something before that, what do you think? Actually, I just kind of, I, I want to roll into the different aspects and how well they were done, you mm-hmm. know, about the husband and about the husband and the husband's death and the way she was treating the child and the child's reactions. And I mean, that's kind of where I want to go. So do you have anything to add before we go into that? Uh, just to echo those sentiments. I mean, it's there, man. Yeah. It is spot on. I mean, just even down to, you know, a scene like where she has got her son above her and choking. Yeah. I mean, that right there, even if not, if the rest of the movie didn't really cover much, that right there <clears throat> does so much. You've got somebody reaching out to you saying, don't do this. Get better. I'm here. I care about you. And that person recognizes it, but doesn't because they're in the throes of it. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, and that's just a microcosm of what this film does in terms of building through that experience. Um, and I was incredibly moved by it all the mm-hmm. way up until even the way I love the way they even ended it without beating you over the head yeah. with it and just, yeah. but we'll, we'll go into that. But yeah. yeah, just, I don't know. I couldn't agree more though that um, very skillfully maneuvered their way around the subject matter without ever dropping the ball. They mm-hmm. just, they made it flow. It was impressive. See, and after you watch the movie, you can go back through and you can look at, um, well, let's, we were talking about freaking and what he said and, you can go back through and you can look at that comment. I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. And I went into it thinking I was going to see monsters and death. But then after you see the movie, you're like, oh, well, why did Friedkin think it was so terrifying? Oh. Yeah. It's his grief. Yeah. You, that's why it's yeah. terrifying because it's something everybody has to deal with yeah. or deals with on one way or the other and you can't escape it. That's right. You've got to learn to live with it or you've got to learn to channel it. Yeah. And that's what was terrifying about it. I was taking his comment at face value. Right. Like, oh, man, here, where's the big monster? Duck, duck, duck. You know, and like every single time, like when they would hide their faces under the covers, I was waiting for that moment. I was waiting for that moment like in The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Like when the right. thing goes yeah, off the, the top big of reveal. the bureau. Yeah. I was waiting on that reveal. I was waiting on something scary. But something scary was already happening everywhere yeah. around me. So, yeah. I thought, I mean, that was what I took from it. It was just so, it was so, like, I used that word masterful. I mean, it was done well. It was done really well. To the point where, like, you, like we keep reiterating, anybody can get something out of this, whether you know about grief or not, whether you're just in it for the scare. Yeah. And it hits you on so many different levels because this is a movie that I really feel like is going to have so much rewatchability. Because you're always going to be going through something different in your life. Mm-hmm. So even if you didn't get the grief portion of it now, something might happen in your life in the next year. And you may watch this movie again sometime and it could hit you in a completely different way. Yeah. And it's rare that we see movies that come out like this anymore. Right. Right. Because that, that doesn't pay the bills. No, no, you know what no. I mean that those aren't box office hits. But see, and that's the weird thing about it. It kind of did. This did, yeah. This we did. all we all paid. We all paid for it. Mm-hmm. I paid for it. Yeah. I I ordered that Blu-ray. Like boom. Yeah. Like yeah. <clears throat> so I want to talk about some of the individual things that happened in this movie that were a strict depiction of of grief and isolation, and how they used it to tell a horror story. 
Number one, isolation. When you're deep in an episode with grief, with depression, you feel so alone. You feel alone in a crowded room. And what what was her deal? She was always alone. And not just, but alone with her little boy in the house. And let's be honest, I wanted to choke that child watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Like when she choked him, you wanted to choke yeah, him. Yeah, I was like, well done. Well done, ma'am. But yeah, like that was certainly had the face for it. <laughs> yeah, but that was the thing. Is it was the isolation. Her right. sister cut her off. You know, it, this the work was like saying, you know, you got to get your shit together. Like all these things was that like it just kept closing her in and closing her in. In that isolation, we talk about that in horror a lot. That's what scary cabin in the woods films. You know, what I mean, like right. those things where you're cut off. Well, that's. You know, those movies ultimately do play on our, our grief and our depression metaphors, too, because of that isolation. And this did a great job of that. Because a lot of the, the this, I mean, 90% of the film is in the house. Just her or dealing with the kid. And her feeling alone, even though the kid is there. Right. And let's be honest, the kid just reminds her of her husband, mm-hmm. who died in the car accident on the way to deliver the kid. Yeah. So she... Uh, projects a lot of that grief onto the child because yeah, yeah all her negative things like everything that's gone bad in her life since that point is because of the it's kid. his fault right well it also shows in, in the behavior of the child because he is just blunt he's unaffected because he's been raised that way he's been yeah raised by a mom who's one step above catatonic and in absolute misery i mean when the child sits there and even just blankly says like here you know my dad died on the way to, to deliver me I mean, that, uh, you can tell that even by just the little things that they're doing there, they're showing you that this house is a grim one. I mean, you know, in, in every way, even all the way down to the way the child is at this point and the kids acting out and, and having trouble fitting in with people. Um, they just they find ways to just balance perfectly. That's what I love throughout. I mean, they didn't withhold the scary thing. They actually manifested it for yeah. you so that the common viewer wouldn't be dismissive of the film and may even be tricked into getting the substance out of it. But either way, they were going to leave the theater happy with yeah. it. And and that's what I thought was the most rare thing is that it, it, it catered into both sides of the storytelling. Whereas a lot of times people would just make it symbolic and we would never see the Babadook. Right. It would never be shown. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The fact that we still got that gave us a dual movie. And here's what I loved about the reveal, or the lack thereof, of the Babadook, is you never fully mm-hmm. see it. And, keeps it scary. Yeah, and that keeps it scary for those who aren't reading the deeper levels. But for those of us who are in tune, you know that you never fully see your grief and depression mm-hmm. coming. Right. You only catch glimpses of it. Oh, that's why I'm acting that way. Oh, that's why I feel affected. Oh, this is why I'm feeling vulnerable. You never see it all the way. And I think that was brilliant. Dude, my favorite was the clothes hanging. Yes. The clothes hanging everywhere. Dad's clothes. Yep. And everywhere the clothes were hanging is where the is where the Babadook was. Where the Babadook was. I I loved that. And that was, yeah, that that loss, that grief haunting her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I just say this? There was always that figure there. The dog. Come on, man. <laughs> Why? Unnecessary. Just wasn't needed. Unnecessary. Well, nobody dies in the film except the dog. But they, they didn't need that. No, I under, I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, 
It I'm, was like, let's give one up to Look, my sister feels the same way, Adam Green, many of us. There's no need to kill the damn dog. It doesn't change the movie in any way other than just pushing your button a little bit. This act of aggression yeah. will not stand. You punch man. the dog. Knock it out. But let <laughs> us see it get up later. There's just no point. <laughs> no, I get you. That's funny. I like the way it was paced. Mm-hmm. I like that we didn't jump straight into the extremities of the darkness. That we kind of really saw her go through her emotions and how she's kind of just getting through them. Mm-hmm. All the, ranging from guys at work who like her. Yep. You know, to interactions with family. I, I like that we developed that, the neighbor, all mm-hmm. of that, that it's not just immediately the weirdness, that we get a chance to see the difference between the outside world and what this woman and her child is going through inside. I thought that that was pivotal, that we spent some real time outside at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There's one scene, and i I got to kind of bring it up, and not because I'm the weirdo pervert, but I, I am the um the scene where she's in bed alone and she's pleasuring herself. Yeah, okay, there we go. That's a good way to put it. Um, and she just can't go there because the kid, and she can't bring herself to satisfy even herself because everything else is standing in her way. Mm. Like that metaphor of the kid, you know, like the kid just won't let her finish. Mm. She's trying to drift off. She's trying to give herself that one little moment of pleasure by herself. And then the kid's at the end of the bed. He, she she can't do it. Mm. And it's frustrating. Because, Didn't even think about that scene, but that's a good point. Well, I mean, every scene, I feel like, in this movie had some kind of meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and No wasted film. No, no, Except not for the dog. <laughs> the dog. Yeah. But, I mean, I just kind of feel that way. And that was one of, that was one of the things, because I talked about, the, about it with the wife. And we talked about it with a few other people. And it was like, well, that's a frustration of a mother. And I was like, it's not the frustration of a mother. It's the frustration of somebody who's, who just can't satisfy themselves. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't do anything. Yeah. Like, this is what's standing in my way. So that was a good, that was a, I mean, it, it may not be the most forward way, but nothing in this movie really was. You had to find that hidden meaning off that beaten path. So it was pretty neat. Well, I just took it also as a lonely woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, On yeah, top yeah. of what you're saying, it's like not only has her life been so drastically changed in a negative way, but she can't even compensate for that because it's so disruptive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the kid is an easy out to show that by coming in and interrupting it. It's just right. like this, this woman just can't have a moment of peace in any, any way she tries. So, yeah, I, no, that was a great scene. Yeah. I, I remember initially... When it was happening, I was like, oh, man, are we going to start getting weird? What, what do we got here? But, but it, it ended up, yeah, being, it ended it up, being ended up staying, yeah. staying relevant. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's talk about the symbolism behind keeping all of her husband's things locked in the basement. I mean, I feel like that was also very symbolic of the way that we treat grief and depression, is we want to lock it away. Exactly. Lock it away. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Don't have to deal with it. And you know that when you do that, it makes it that much worse when it manifests. It makes them so much more powerful. Exactly. Exactly. It's Which something to fear. Right. Which makes it, there's a callback at the end of the film when we get to that. Right. But that's definitely, you know, and, and who unlocks the door? Her son. Yeah. He's the one who unlocks the door and... And it, again, makes her revisit all of that crap that she's tried to keep locked away. 
there's no wasted film in this movie. No, it all has that. It all has that going on in the, uh, like you're talking about the end of the film, with uh, the monster. Yeah. In the basement. Yep. The grief in the basement. It's like wow. She's keeping it locked up because you're like, oh, is she going to feed the monster? Because you know, like, it's like she's going to feed the monster. No, she's living with the monster. That's right. The monster's grief. She's living with it. Yep. It's never going to go away, so she's got to find a way to live with it. And symbolically, she feeds it. Right. Which for me, you know, in my grief, um, listeners, as those of you who know, I lost my wife in a car accident. In in the way that works with grief and I would assume in the same way with depression is the fact that you acknowledge it and that if you feel like it needs fed, you let yourself do that. You right. give yourself time, you give yourself patience, you go into that locked room and you just roll with it right. instead of keeping the door locked so it can come haunt you and attack you. Right. You just say, you know what? Today is just going to be a loss and I'm just going to live into that. Again, brilliant just brilliant right i mean i can't i can't praise this movie enough the last those 10 levels. minutes were, were were catapulted this movie from okay we really got something good to this is this is different yeah, yeah. this is unique i i just the, the last segment of that film i just loved so much i even loved the part where the boy wants to go down there and she's like you don't need to see that yet when you're older right. and i i just broke my heart i was yeah. just like you're go be a kid yeah, there's a good chance this is going to be in your DNA, mm-hmm. and you'll need to deal with what's in your basement. Don't worry about it today. Let yeah. me go feed it. And the way that it almost knocks her back on her back, but she bounces right. back. Yeah, up. But the fact yes. that it yes. almost brings her down. Yeah, I thought was important because it's like yes, we can talk about learning to live with it, but but it's not. There's more to it than just it still that. doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. It's still scary. Yeah. As hell. You know yeah. what I mean? And and I thought that that just that whole last segment was great. And I feel like maybe we've jumped around on this movie, but in this instance, that's the only way you can. It's the running through the plot isn't as important as no. the substance to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I really feel like I've I've said everything I wanted to say about the film. I'm with you on that. I just want to um, say one more thing. No, that's fine. No, that's don't. fine. I from a scary standpoint, because I do want to make sure I mention that for our podcast, uh, I absolutely love the scene with her under the blanket and the sound of it screaming at her. Jesus, that is scary. Scary. I mean, all jokes, oh, you know, talking about all the substance and all that aside, that is legit scary horror movie making right there. Like that is just Jesus. When it's like going into the shrill tones and you don't know what's outside her blanket. I'm not playing every time somebody cover their head up. I'm that guy. I wait for that jump scare for that pullback. Yeah. That I love that. That's my part. That's what gets me there Yeah. in horror movies. And every time I was like, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the the voice was scary. That was great. It was. It was that good. was great. So, Mad Chan, any final thoughts from you? Any last oh, things you I, want I to really point like out? I really like the movie. I, I, for you, the listener, I don't know where you thought we were going to go with this. Uh, if you hadn't seen the movie, like we keep, we said spoiler a lot, but you're going to get out of the Babadook what you want to get out of the Babadook. 
and that's all I can say and about there's it. There's no wrong yeah way of doing that. If you just want to be scared, that's all you get. I ain't hating. Right. Yeah. And if you wanted to be want. scared and you weren't scared, I'm not mad at you either. Right. It's the, it's the. I think it's going to be the people that if you didn't get it, maybe give it another chance at a different time because I really feel like at one point or another everybody's going to identify a little bit with this movie. That's my final thought. Um, you guys know I have a lot of tattoos. Spoiler alert. Uh, the only horror, they're Korean. <laughs> they're Korean. Uh, the only horror tattoos I have is a silver bullet. That's the only horror for my love of werewolf movies. I'm really thinking about getting a Babadook silhouette tattoo. Oh, that's dope. That would be right. Just, just solid black, just like the cover of the DVD. Like because the movie meant that much to me, and it's yeah. it's a good reminder of this a, a way for me to deal with my grief is the Babadook. You know what I mean? Like Dude, that's. It's no, it's therapeutic, dope. you know. It's dope, man. Yeah, so that's how much the movie meant to me. Cool, good. So, all right. Anything else to say about the? Uh, oh, I, I didn't get it. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> I mean, I know, now that I've said all that, it was shit. Uh, the, totally unbelievable. This, <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to say on it? No, go ahead. I was going to say this is really stupid and weird. But long before this movie existed, I said its name to the ESPN chime. Swear to God, just driving in the car by myself, I just mouth sounds to it. It's like, Baba Duke. I'd always say that. <laughs> just, I'd make it up like, Baba Duke. Well, that's real. We never, I knew Mad Chan was going to go back and check it out. Mad Chan, do we ever find out where the name comes from? Um, so what I read um, through a couple resources that we check is Baba Duck means grieving father in some kind of Hindi language. Interesting. But I don't know that for sure. That's just what somebody had posted. Okay. So I haven't been able to trace that because hmm. honestly, I just I got busy on other things for the show. Yeah. And I but knew you I, were... from what I understand, it means from yeah. what I understand, it means grieving father or father grieving. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think okay. that's where it comes from. You guys, you check it out, and if you find out, please let us know. Yeah. On social media, I'm working on it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, on to the next film, which Professor Wagstaff picked out. Yes. Uh, Professor, tell us why you chose Star Wars. Please. I think the reason I chose it is because nobody wants to own it now um, <laughs> that we're talking about it, because I think we all pull together here, and I think I'll be stuck <laughs> with it. But that's fine, because I think I'm the only one that likes it. So um, <laughs> This is it, another Good Shepherd and others moment for you. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I never supported Good Shepherd. Oh, okay. That movie sucked. Um, was that the Matthew with, Shepard movie? No. Oh, okay. That is, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, this caused a stir uh, running around at the festivals yeah. and kind of in the indie horror world, and it was just something I wanted to see. And so when we were throwing around the ideas of what else we were watching on this episode, it just seemed kind of fitting, which ran with it three modern movies from within the last year. Yeah. Um, this is certainly the least accessible of the three we're talking about tonight. And I have to acknowledge that. So, but yeah, no, it's just something I had wanted to originally watch and figured it's worth covering. Right on. So, uh, your movie Starry Eyes, um, came out in 2014. Director Kevin Col is it Kolsch and David Widmire. And they were also the writers of this movie. Yeah. Um, starring Alex Esso, Amanda Fuller, uh, Noah Segan, and, our boy Pat Healy Pat makes a Healy. jump in there. Pat Healy. And 
something I was surprised to see was Mr. Nick Simmons pops up in this movie, Gene Simmons' son. So, really? Yeah, he plays Ginkgo, man. Like I was, I was kind of neat about that. Ginkgo Biloba. Ginkgo Biloba. No, I don't know his last name. Um, but okay, so Chris. Well, <laughs> let her roll. I just don't know. I really just don't have anything positive to say about this movie at all. At all. Grizz had the best comments I've ever heard mind. about a movie. <laughs> We're talking about this movie, and Grizz tells me, "No, go ahead." The, the comment you made. I don't remember. Oh, he was like, "I already seen this movie once. It was called Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened when Ned Campbell's mama went to Hollywood. It's, yeah, this is a prequel to Scream Three when <laughs> Ned Campbell's mom went to Hollywood. That's right. <laughs> I kind of laughed at that out loud. I was like. Right on. But it is a throwback. If you got to give it, it's kind of a throwback to Ro- throwback to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. We House of the Devil, that. if you like House of the Devil. Yeah. House of the Devil, and this. it's got that, um, what's that other one? Oh, I'm sorry. I knew what we were talking about. Oh, and it's got that Martyrs feel. We martyrs, yeah, that. we talked yeah, about it's Martyrs. It's got that Martyrs feel to it as well. Mm. I, I'm sorry, I just didn't like this movie at all. My <laughs> first comment was this movie definitely starts out slow and never picks up. Mm-hmm. That, was my de- that was my first comment. Um, and it's weird because I could sit here and defend Martyrs, but I wouldn't defend this movie. You know, there are things I did like about this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, let's elaborate. Instead uh, of yeah, 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 that's where I'm like I've got a list of things. I'm gonna I don't want to. <laughs> it's like, it stinks. It's, it stinks. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like it tried too hard. I thought it was trying too hard to be artsy. That was my opinion. See, and I, I didn't like the And I like some artsy stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a I'm not a Philistine. You know, I do like some artsy films. But, like, yeah, just, I don't know. Just things about this. Like, I was like, ugh, seen that before. Oh, that's been done. That's been overdone. Like, I, I don't know. And, like, the whole thing of, like, she gets sick from having demon sex and wastes away to nothing. Like, that was the martyr's feel to me. Like, her wasting away to nothing. Right on. And then they bury her, and she's reborn, and I don't know. It wasn't satanic enough for me. You guys know I love a good satanic film. It wasn't satanic enough, and it was too artsy. I feel like Pat Healy should have backhanded her at some point. He was real nice in this movie. It was raw. It was definitely raw. It was raw, dude, yeah. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> So the name of the company in the movie is Astraeus. And Astraeus was the Greek god of dusk and or stars, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I thought I kind of thought that was I was like, right on. Somebody did a little bit of homework when they were right. writing this. Like they put those kind of touches in there. They knew what they were going for, especially with the um, the company, you know, and the company mm-hmm. being here's what we do. And I, I think it's a story that we've all heard a million times put on film about the young starlet who goes out to Hollywood and she wants to be something. And in essence, she sells her soul to become something. And the thing about it, I thought this symbolism was really neat. When she comes back as her demonic whatever figure, she wears a wig, and she puts on her eyes, she puts on new eyebrows, and puts on everything. She becomes what they want her to be. I thought that was very. I mean, they had a lot of cool symbolism in it. It's just, I don't know. Like my headspace was different when I watched this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a lot of the symbolism in it. I just. The, the artsy people and the fact that they weren't, that everybody there was just so, they, none of them were genuine. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, she's got to have some kind of something in her life. And the fact that she refused to 
she wasn't going to sleep with the guy. You know, she wasn't going to do that for fame and then switched and went and did it and then paid the ultimate price for it. I don't know, man. It was just, it was a moral tale. It was a cautionary tale. I just don't think it should have been billed as a horror movie like I thought it was billed. But it had, it had parts to it. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I guess I'm expecting a whole lot less out of this. I mean, oh, okay. To me, to me, it's a very polished movie, taking on some serious subject matter with clearly not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a the moral story of staying yourself and trying to find your way through something. Um, the deterioration of her and the stuff with the cult and the devil and all that really isn't that important to me mm-hmm. um, in the overall scheme of things. I yeah. enjoy the girl's performance. Okay. Um, I like how we see a, a, a kind of a rocking pattern between her perception of, you know, are these people shallow and mean to me or am I just taking myself too seriously? Cause they, I feel like they do a good job of like, you know, like them pointing out, like, we're all worried about you. And then you start wondering, it's like, well, am I watching this movie through her eyes? Are these people really mean-spirited, or do they care about her? Um, and I just like, really, I like the insecurity of the girl. I like her performance. I like the way that it's symbolic for Hollywood, but also on a larger scale, if you want to apply that to really anything in life. It's like maintaining your integrity um, or kind of selling out in essence. I mean, some of it hits you over the head with it. This is by no means a perfect movie and I don't, I'm not in love with it, but I'm just not dismissive of it, I guess, as much as you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the attacks are absolutely brutal and memorable. I mean, the, the weight to the girl's head in bed, that stays with you for days. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and the scene of that was like five straight minutes of no score. You are literally listening to, listening to brutality it is mean-spirited it is scary because this is how these things happen where you know where people spend the time reading the articles of of tracing the the tracks of somebody around the house and what went through their head what happened what did they do first and this very and you very wonderland yeah you go through a very quiet five minutes of watching this girl destroy lives it's scary to me um a scene that I like that in many ways I struggle with at the same time that's over the top is her coming out of the Hollywood Hills. It's like half of me really likes that, but the other half's like, come on, man, I get it. You don't need to go this far. Right. Um, Which real quick, that was part of my problem is it tried too hard. Yeah. But I, sounds, I, but I think for, for the, with that, it's all in the eye of the, of the viewer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the subject matter probably doesn't matter to you too much matter to you as much as the last one we just discussed right you know what i mean where, right totally where you're looking for something in, where you see something in that you have no quarrels with integrity mm-hmm. you know what i mean you never have you've always been inherently good that's why you do the things that you do but some people don't so well, you know yeah. what i mean like i don't know it, by no means is this a, even a great movie but it was worth i feel like the stir of last year It it pushed some buttons. It had some substance to it. Um, It's a little slow at times. I certainly agree. Uh, But I, I, you know, I really applaud the girl. I thought the main character, I mean, for just the film that it was, she was damn good. Oh, I mean, her acting was good, man. I'm with you on that. That's kind of where I stand on it. You know, it's not something I would recommend to everybody, but it's it's got some things to it I like about it. And uh, just one last thing I'll say, 
is it stays with me. I've watched it twice now. I watched mm. it. I'd watched it once already, and then we watched it for the podcast. And I threw it on again. It lingers. I've, I'm I'm filled with dread for a couple of days. It's just dreary tone to the film, yeah. and I have to acknowledge that. And I think maybe even it, it clouds my judgment and giving it passes on some things because of that. But not many films have done that for me like The Exorcist does. Mm-hmm. You know where I can feel it in my bones days later and that's the same way with this i don't know what it is but it kind of just resonates with me i don't know yeah i'll give you that i mean i definitely felt dirty after watching it yeah you know what i mean um it's a grimy movie yeah very much very much so well maybe i'm a little i mean i might just be that like i i've already said like i get some of the undertones of the movie and i agree that she did a good job she really did but it was like the character what I was part of the thing that took me out of it. Like, I'm just going to go through some of my notes so you'll kind of get where I, my headspace was coming from. All this chick does is lay in bed and cry and blame everyone else for her problems. Like, at one Typical point, millennial. No, like, at, at, at one <laughs> yeah, point during this movie, this is kind of saying something like, about She's just legit just laying in bed all the time, just like, I can't believe I did this, or she's trying to take my part. And I was just like, man, this chick really feels bad for herself. Like, maybe... And my, another one of my notes is maybe this isn't the life for her. And granted, I'm speaking about a character in a pre-written movie, but I was like, maybe this isn't the life for her. She's taken not getting casted in a part very seriously. Honey, maybe you ought to head on back to community college. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... She looked good in them pants, though. Them spud pants. Them spud pants. <laughs> okay, that's another thing I put. I couldn't remember I had tater down here. I was like, what's that about? Because you were thinking tits and taters from Eastbound and Down. <laughs> <laughs> just wrote tater i was like I, I should remember what this means so right on um the other thing that was I that think, pat healy paying her boss yes i thought so yeah 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 so the other thing that i really thought man was um and this will tell you maybe where my headspace was she brought this upon herself like she didn't have to go back there. like she had all of her integrity among granted we needed a movie but i mean she had all this integrity about her and then all of a sudden she takes drugs from the one would-be filmmaker and, you know, and they start rolling and they go through their little trip. And then all of a sudden, like somehow that switches her on that dime. Or maybe she made a rash decision in the moment because she was on the drugs, but she kind of brought that upon herself. So there, when she's going through the martyrs esque, you know, she's wasting away and she's vomiting. And she, I was like, you did this to you. They didn't well, do this well, to you. And I, I guess maybe I took that differently. Uh, initially was her desperation. And her insecurity. That's the problem with this girl. Right. She is so desperate to reach her goals, like a lot of people at that age. That they make horrible decisions mm-hmm. that, in many cases, ultimately trash their life, whether it be drugs or getting into other bad things. But with, with that, I, I and maybe I misunderstood it, but I just took it as when we're doing the deteriorating thing, she's basically hostage at that point with, with the cult. It's like, right. you owe us. You're right. going to go kill people or you're done. I mean, and that's, yeah. you know, basically, and might I add, the fingernail peeling back. Uh, every time I see that in any movie. That's like, oh, rough. dude, every time. But, like, yeah, I give you that. And one, just one other thing I want to throw out there. Pat Healy is the only person in this movie. Who's sane? Who is a good person. Yeah. He, and, the, and no, this is what I like about it, is that because <laughs> at first glance, as, as, you're, as you're kind of digging into the movie, I think many viewers will think, oh, this guy's a clown. Yeah. You know, look how sleazy. proud he is of, of yeah. his uh, tater restaurant where the girls have to oh, dress up and do his stuff. Taters. But as but as things progress, you realize 
This guy takes pride in what he does. He is proud of what he does, and he is content with what he does. Right, and even though he just runs a little yeah. tater stand, and, he's happy and, with it. And, you know, takes this girl back in who yeah. has basically spit in his face because he recognizes yeah. what she's going through and trying to find her content place. So I thought that, you know, as usual with that guy, he just stole the show in a lot of ways without his little tiny part there in the restaurant. Some mm-hmm. great scenes there. But he is the only, like, legit good human being in this movie. Yeah. I kind of feel bad. Like, I have a few more comments, and I'm just I'm going to refrain from reading them right now. Why? You said you shouldn't say that, then. <laughs> you should just uh, move on. But, no, I'm just going to move on with it. Like, I, my comment, the comment I will read, it says she finally stabbed somebody. Woo-hoo. Too little, too late. I, I I just didn't see this. I was like, I was waiting for my horror. And like I said, I was in, from my notes, you can tell I was just in a different headspace. Yeah, but she didn't like Rosemary's Baby. It much. wasn't, yeah, I didn't like it as much you know, as everybody else. But that's this, a weird thing because I love Rosemary's Baby. See, to me, these run right along with each other. Mm-hmm. The alienation that mounts around this person, them kind of losing their mind their physical body horror that we go through okay. the cult interaction Especially just the, in the a, emaciation and yeah, yeah just in a different location and time and some of the symbolism and ideas that go with it but to me in a lot of ways it's that now when you were you talked about the scene at the end or the scene where she's going through the house killing people mm-hmm. do you think that you do have a love for like true crime and things that, do you think that maybe that well, I, I have a love for catching true crime catching true crime but i mean do you think that maybe that was kind of part of it because i really did i was just like oh okay here we go we're, we're sharing tating this right now and yeah. that was just kind of where i went like in my head space and i was just there you see what i'm saying it's like oh i watched this movie last year okay. you know and that's just what it was so i mean by all means it was it was well shot it was well acted. It's a very yeah great it, the movie was shot well yeah the movie's good the movie's movie. solid there it's just that's not one that I'm going to rush out. Yeah. And... As for the crimes, I just, I don't know, man. There's something weird about it. It just feels like you're legit watching this. This oh, is happening. I, I give you the, the weight to the face. Like, yeah. that was, I mean, I dug that. Murder is sensationalized in, in film a lot, and it's not here. It is messy. It is upsetting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just chaotic. This is no and America. that's what this was. That is an intense string of minutes. Now, I, for me personally, my biggest thing with the film is I felt like it went a little too far with the rebirth. I could have done without that. Um, the actual ceremony of yeah, and and the interaction with the roommate when she comes home. Now she the scene, her. yeah, the scene when she comes in and the sheet is over the body. Oh yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that is a scary that's moment. Creepy. But that didn't do much for me. Really, that was my biggest complaint with the film was the ending. I thought the punch kind of lacked. For what had taken it up to that, um, but I mean, for what it was, just a random successful independent movie for the year. I liked it. Right on. Not an all-time great by any means. Right on. I give you all my thoughts. Yeah, I got nothing else to say. Well, can we get a little bit, just real quick? I mean, you ain't gonna say a lot, but can you give us an insight to why you didn't like it as much? I, I tried to. I mean, I kind of put a lot of my notes and stuff out there. Can you give us a little bit of insight on why you didn't? Um, just like I said, I feel like it tried too hard. Um, I love Rosemary's baby and maybe I wanted that and just didn't get enough of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, I I love a good satanic story told well, and it just, 
And I think you're right. It, that wasn't the point of the film. Um, but that's what I was looking for. That's what yeah. I wanted it to be. And you know how it is. You go into a film, and if it's not what you want it to be, it takes you out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know? okay. and First I, and foremost, we're fans and customers. You don't have to like you know, everything. Right. So I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't like yeah. it, you don't um, like it. And you know what's funny, too, and I'll say this without naming any names, but the main character reminded me of someone I know, and that drove me nuts. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Chad, you do not look like the main character. Ain't got to be, you said reminded him of. Like, no, she does look like of. her. No, she does look like her. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she looked like someone I know and reminded me of someone I know, and, I, and, and I'm like, ugh. So that, that kind of ruined it, too. But, um, okay. yeah, it just... Yeah, it just didn't do anything for me at all. Like I, I, I caught all those underlying tones you guys were talking about, and I appreciate that. But it just, I don't know. Maybe that just, it just wasn't the film for me that day that I watched it. You know, I feel you. I feel, I, I wasted all of my philosophical vision on the Babadook. <laughs> so it, it drained me for six months. All right, all right. I got it. <laughs> and I think too, the Babadook was a, a rare. Um, Quit going back to your movie. No, no, no. But I'm saying it was a rare thing because I like drama. I like drama films. Right. I don't want drama in my horror movies right. typically. And that's the thing. I understand that. Yeah, I when I watch when I watch Escapism. my horror movies, yes, I want thrills. I want laughs. I want terror. I want that. Isn't it funny you want laughs, but you don't want drama? No, I want drama in my drama films. But you want laughs in your horror films. Yeah. And the most drama I want in my horror movie is like I'll be back for you, <laughs> you know. Like and me and you, we teeter around the same area, but in opposite directions. Yeah. Because I, I want some serious, scary, mean spirited stuff in my horror. Not all the time, mm -hmm. but it, you know, part of the time, because it scared me. Yeah. I want some funny games. I want some funny games in my <laughs> horror movies. Oh. Shit, even right. I, I want, I want them people to come out and attack Liv Tyler in the middle of the night. That's in what I want in horror. And that's what's funny. I love funny games. I don't know. I don't know. I'm weird. So. Right on, man. All right. Rounding third and heading home, Mad Chan. What was your film? I chose The Wolf Cop. Wolf Cop. I chose Wolf Cop. <laughs> 2014, written and directed by Lowell Dean, starring Leo Fafard, Amy Matiasu, Jesse Moss, Jonathan Cherry. Now, I'm going to tell y'all why I chose this film. Because I put it on in the background one night while I was doing stuff at home. Just, oh, Wolf Cop. Whatever. And put it on in the background. I want to check out what a Wolf Cop was. And I found myself stopping doing the work that I was working on for work and watching the Wolf Cop. So I immediately turned it off. I came up here and talked to you guys. I was like, I'm going to rewatch the Wolf Cop. Because it's my kind of everything's wrong with this. It's a stupid movie. I love it so much. And I guess this is where it's different. Because both of the other movies had all these underlined meanings. This movie is just balls to the wall. Love it or hate it. Yeah, there, there, there ain't no basement on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've watched The Wolf Cop twice. I've watched The Wolf Cop twice. <laughs> Loved it both times. <laughs> And I totally agree. It's a stupid movie. It's a stupid movie. And that's why I love it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I can't stop laughing. We can't... Hey, man, we can't go answer that call. You're a wolf. Cop. <laughs> the wolf cop has so many great stupid one-liners. 
It's full. Oh, First off, his name is Lou Garou. <laughs> Lou <Yeah>. Garou, <laughs> which is the French ver- word for werewolf. Yeah. Werewolf, yeah, Lou Garou. <laughs> it's a Canadian film. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, it's just I and he's a I I can't. I mean, I've got tons of here. Here's the funny thing. I've, <laughs> I've got, got tons notes, of notes dude. on Wolf Cop. Um. He's a shit cop, yeah, and everybody, nobody respects him. Love it, and uh, and then he becomes the wolf cop, dude. My, my and part of his first transformation scene is his wiener turning into a werewolf. First thing you see transformed is his wiener. <laughs> Love this movie. Professor first, is totally into it. Yes. First yes. note, dude, is I finally <laughs> found a man who drinks as much as I do, and that leads to Lou Guru becoming a wolf. I love this, dude. Uh, I love the idea of a drink and shoot. Don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love the idea that there's going to be a bunch of drunk rednecks with the wood shooting at things. Yeah. Liquor and donuts? Enough said. I drop the mic and walk out on liquor and donuts, man. Man. (laughs) Professor. Go ahead. You you give us a... (laughs) This movie's dumb, (laughs) but I love it. (laughs) I I had a lot of fun with it. I like... um, I like how they kept a lot of the traditional things with it, but a lot of the things are different. The mm-hmm. fact that we're like, you know, in the shitty doldrums of winter, yeah. you know, the kind of the location of the film. Um, I like I like the way the werewolf looks first and foremost. Yeah. I think he actually looks cool. Well, um, it's a man in a costume. It's yeah. not CGI. Yeah. Which And there's another movie that came out within the last year around the same time. Uh, it's Late Phases. Uh, oh, I've... It's got I've, some... It's cool on Netflix. Stuff. It's got it? some cool stuff. I haven't yeah. watched it it's yet. It's practical too. The werewolves, not my favorite appearance, but a good movie. Great storyline. Um, but yeah, I really like the way the werewolf look. Uh, the first thing of seeing the werewolf penis changing was a little bit of a shock. Um, but yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with the movie. I like that um, it never tried to get too epic in any way. That it just kind of stayed itself. I like that they let you know it's the end of the credits that part two is oh, coming yeah. Yeah. already. Yeah. Just creating this buzz and fun <laughs> fun with the movie kind of in a grindhouse almost, you know, style for the fans. Yeah. Um, no, I, I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. You know, I watched this the first time with Vinny. Vinny's the one who told me about it. I yeah. think he read about it in Fango. Uh, like They'd had it on the cover like six months ago. Yeah, and that's when Vinny came over. And, like, nobody knew about Wolf Cop until Netflix. But Vinny came over and he says, I saw this thing for Wolf Cop, and spoiler alert, I've been known to acquire some movies one way or another. <laughs> and uh, so so I acquired Wolf Cop. Through Vinny. Yeah. Yes. And we watched it, and yeah, the, the, the penis transformation scene, I mean, it was total uh, it was hot. Wolf Dick 316, as we like to say. <laughs> we could not believe. He just kicked your ass. <laughs> it just went there. Willie is my favorite thing about this movie. I love me some Willie. Yeah. Remember when they're talking about the ritual scene and Willie's like, what do you think they do? Crystallize it and drink it like Tang? Right, which that's the premise of the whole movie. They want they want werewolves so they can get their blood and crystallize it and take it like a drug. <laughs> right, right. To keep the, the shapeshifters. The shapeshifters, the yeah. Shapeshifters, which, which is amazing. Dude, what about he was like, what the fuck are you? And he's like, the fuzz. <laughs> I love all the wolves. Uh, what about his custom car? Oh, he yes. the wolf, wolf car. Wolf cop had a car, which is awesome. Like it, it to me, that's almost like a throwback to the monsters. You know, like Dragula. You mm-hmm. know, like I mean, it just had 
tongue in cheek. It's it stays fun. Yeah. Did you see where it got customized? At Styles Body Shop. <laughs> Styles yes! is throwback to Team, Team Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I love the I love the kills at the party. Oh, yes. when he shows up, he does that face rip. He does that head lop off. You know. Um, but yeah, you're right. Buddy's one liners. Oh, dude, I'm just yeah. Um, and we we also have a werewolf sex scene. Yeah, I, was say, I think the I think the first one since the howling, <laughs> the howling made werewolf sex popular. Dude, here's my note. I I started to wonder what kind of woman would have sex with a hairy abomination like this. Then I remember that I'm married. More power <laughs> to the wolf god. That's my note. I like yeah. that the skin falls off. I thought that was a cool effect. I think yes. that works well. Uh, we remember that from like Trick or Treat, right, the yeah. werewolf segment on there. Yes. Uh, a couple other films. Um, so yeah, I, th- I like that as as mythology. Yeah. It seemed like they made a big deal out of it in this. Yeah. Um, the one thing that kind of got me is like they put so much time into the wolf cop, and you know, every 32, 36 years, whenever this happens. And the shapeshifters are immortal unless they get shot in the face. Like, that was just Fair the thing. It, legit. No, that legit was it. It was like, we these are beings that have been around for centuries doing this. Right. Unless they get shot in the face. So it's like, what else kills these immortal, all whatever beings? I don't mm-hmm. know, dude. It was, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. My only complaint, really, it's not even a complaint. The thing I just didn't enjoy was the gang. Those guys were not entertaining. Right. Yeah. Just absolutely lame. They were entertaining or yeah. intimidating. I thought that that could have spiced the movie up to a yeah, whole other level if that group would have been better. That, every time I'd see them, I was like, oh, God, let's get through these guys. Because, yeah, they weren't funny or any. I mean, there's nothing no. good about them other no. than just filler. Yeah. One of my, uh, I think you'll get this, Grizz. Who the hell is reloading the musket? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dude shoots that musket like 50 times. Like, no reloading, no anything. I yeah. Love that. That was yeah. Kind of funny. Uh, the cover art's fantastic for this. I yeah. love the Wolfcock cover art. Yeah. A lot of the artwork is, uh, I've seen on like t shirts and posters too, just random things. I don't oh, know cool. if it's fan driven or from them, hmm. but a lot of cool stuff. Cool. Guys, I can't say enough good things. Like, it, whereas the other movies, I think, you know, we talked about, I really got into the Babadook. I didn't get into the Starry Eyes. This was that movie that I legit, like, I wasn't even planning on watching. I think that's why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. It's because the first time I wasn't even planning on watching it. It was something I put on in the background, like I said, when I was working on things for work. And I found myself watching it and then turned it off because I had to do other things. I couldn't give it the attention yeah. it needed. This is just one of those ones. That's why I kind of chuckled with you a few minutes ago about you wanted, you like comedy in your horror this is that thing for me, man. Yeah. And it, I'm not putting it on par with, but you understand, this is like days or dot or um, Evil Dead Two. It's like, it's that comedic look at something, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm not comparing. I'm not putting it on the level as. Why well, you got to compare? Just said it's better. So but go ahead. No, on no, the record, no, Mad no, Chan no, no, thinks no, it's no. better than Evil Dead Two. Yep. Want you guys right. know, never. Right. Bruce, I love you. <laughs> but anyway, I just this is that movie, man. If you guys just want something where you can kick back. Put something on in the background, kind of chuckle at it. Watch a werewolf ride around in his wolf mobile. Like, this is it. Right on. <laughs> I think I've gushed over Wolf Cop as much as I can. Really? Okay. I just I love that it's continuing in the trend of just starting to revisit um, styles yeah. in the past instead right. of directly remaking things. There's a lot of 80s attitude oh, in this yeah. film yeah, without it being yeah, yeah. 80s. 
and I, and I dig that. I hope that that continues. That these filmmakers really start to pull back into the things they love and make their own things. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a perfect example of that, that if more and more people continue to do this, be right back on the map where we're wanting to go to the theater regularly to see these things. And guys, uh, that's a good thing that you brought up right there, and that's one thing I definitely wanted to bring up in this episode, was um, remember, it, the one thing I always hold true is you vote with your dollar. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're tired of seeing remakes, man, like, if you pay to see them at the theater, you give them your box office money, they're going to keep making remakes. You got to go see these things, man. Like, you got to put your money towards the Babadook. You got to put your money towards the Wolf Cop. You got to put your money towards the Starry Eyes because they're not remakes. They're not sequels. They're not, they're, they're original ideas. And that was a big thing about this episode. Yeah. Was they're all three original ideas. And we enjoyed them and we acquired them. And we'll, we'll acquire, I'll, I'll buy Wolf Cop too. If the, the lady that made the Babadook makes another movie, I'm more than likely going to see it because I dug the first her first movie so much. Like you guys vote with your bucks, man, and this is it's fleeting. But I, seriously, like you got to keep doing that. If you like it, acquire it, acquire it, and put your money towards it because that's how they know that they you know this is what you want to see. All right. Totally. Good. Word. Word, son. We'll try to get all up in there, but seriously, you guys this. These were great choices because of that. They were all original. So, Right on. I think I've said everything I need to say about these three films this evening. Anything sure. else to input? No, just uh, the fact that we have three movies, um, just recent modern movies that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah. Excites me in general. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's fun. Dude, it's the fun. Wolf Cop song is amazing at the end of the movie. Yes. The end credits song. Yeah. You got, folks, you guys got to get on iTunes and just look that up if you don't want to watch the movie. Yeah, the really. The song is amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. And don't forget to check us out at www.midwestmonsters.net. That's our website. It's up and live now. Yeah, man. And check us out on Facebook and iTunes and uh, Mixcloud, wherever you want to find us. Go there. Right on dig it uh and please again itunes go rate us on there leave a comment that helps us in the long run uh we're not just begging for that sort of thing it it helps our exposure so if you like the show just go rate it and that will help other folks find it it's easier to find the more likes that you get otherwise you just kind of get to the bottom of the shuffle and who knows like uh, monster poop baseball party might have more likes than us and so when people search monsters that might come up first hey man listen what do you got against monster poop baseball party <laughs> i'm just that saying that's an awesome dvd fair enough fair enough i'm just saying that they don't need their own podcast okay uh so that being said for the midwest monsters i am one of your hosts i'm grizzly abner and i'm here with my dudes Matt professor wax and we're inviting you all to stay scary